I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, dear listener, whoever you are and wherever you are. Welcome to episode number two. Wow, it feels so good to actually say that. This project is quickly growing legs, my friends, and this week I embark upon, wait for it, my first interview with a real life person. <laughs> Who isn't my husband, that is. I know, well, I actually did it. I've reached out to some fabulous people for their input and shock horror. The world did not end, and in fact, I've received a wonderful response, and I'm really getting excited about how this series is taking shape. If you tuned into episode number one, you know that my name is Lauren, and here on The Pursuit Pod, we chat all things involved with travelling abroad in the pursuit of creative careers. Last week, in episode number one, I chatted with Will about our journey moving from Brisbane to London. Now, if you've skipped straight to episode two, uh, what are you doing? Are you a crazy person? Do you just want to watch the world burn, or what kind of heathen are you? <laughs> no, but seriously, go back to the beginning and bring yourself up to speed. It'll help you get to know me and the journey I'll be taking you on throughout this series. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with the ever-approachable and empowering Hayley Mabry, an Aussie and now international musical theatre artist who tells us of her experience working on cruise ships, finding the love of her life and starting her own social networking business. Being my first proper interview, I've got to tell you folks that I was as nervous as anything, mostly due to just trying to navigate this recording technology for the first time. And I mean, it's really not hard, guys, but yet here I am struggling like the 80-year-old technophobe that I am. So you know what? I got through and I had an absolute blast ripping off the proverbial band-aid with one of the kindest people I could have approached. And uh, I'm going to admit, there were a few technical hiccups. There's an annoying little lag between our conversation that occurs within the last 10 minutes. And I really do apologise about this. But I didn't want to scrap the whole fabulous chat that we had had because of something that was basically out of my control. So in the spirit of taking my own advice and in using a mantra that has fast become a favourite, I have chosen to embrace the mess. And I mean, it can only get better from here, right? No, but seriously, I really appreciate your tuning in and hope that you not only enjoy this interview, but enjoy embarking upon this podcast creating adventure with me, warts and all. And that's about enough from me. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, my love. Thank you for having me here. Honestly, it's the biggest honor in the world. Biggest Ooh, honor. Well, I've said it a dozen times, but I will thank you again for the support you've provided me and actually starting this whole project. Um, your online presence has grown beautifully over the past few years, and I've really enjoyed following your journey to the point where uh, the recent release of your own podcast, New Heights and Stage Lights, has probably inspired me to 
gather my own courage and actually start my own show. So thank you. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And that's just what this time is all about at the moment. I think just doing the things that scare you. And it's amazing how many people have come out of the woodwork and just become inspired to make their own as well. So I'm so glad. Like this is just, this is a labor of love. I can tell this podcast of yours. So I'm so glad you've done it and you've started and just, I'm so proud of you. It's exciting. <laughs> And I think more than ever, whilst being on lockdown, I definitely came to a realisation that I, I've just not been putting myself out of my comfort zone at all recently, that I've, I've had no work and I've had no projects on the go. And I find that if I do that for too long, I start to lose my nerve. I start to lose mm. my grit a little bit. And then it just makes doing challenging things uh, like performing, which is my job, <laughs> more <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'm not backwards in being forwards about saying that this project has been a way of conditioning myself into just just doing something and and working on hosting skills, which still to this day make me quite nervous. So oh, you're doing such a good job at it, though. Such a good job. And I think you've actually hit the nail on the head there. Like we need to keep making sure we're putting ourselves out of our comfort zones and making sure that we're still growing, even though we're having to do things differently than what we would have done before so the fact that you've done this and even though it scares you done it anyway is huge thanks mate um now I thought I'd just start for the benefit of our listeners whoever they are wherever they are I don't know if anyone will actually ever listen to this it's a pretty oh they will they will I just thought I'd explain how we know each other quickly so Hayley and I met each other when we were both studying at the Queensland Conservatorium of Music back in Brisbane and then since graduating and particularly more recently I've become aware of the parallels between the lives that we've chosen <laughs> to the point where we are both now living in London uh, living with partners and primarily working as vocalists I guess when the jobs arise would would you say that's that's all correct yeah yeah absolutely and um, I think the coolest parallel that came about was when <laughs> we actually crossed paths last November. So at about 11 p.m. at night on a, a cold wintry night on a ferry returning home from the Isle of Wight, uh, we completely by accident ended up sitting opposite each other <laughs> and realised we'd both been gigging out, gigging out there and just so happened to be journeying home at the same time. What are the odds? I know. I think there's, there's so many crazy parts about that that time. I mean, at a time where most performers still weren't gigging because of the situation that we were in, um, you know, and we weren't necessarily doing exactly what it was that we'd studied in the first place, but we're also on the other side of the world. Near midnight, I remember I was nearly falling asleep. And I, I think you had to call my name a bunch of times just because I wasn't expecting anybody to know me. That's what, what happens when you move to a different country. You know, you just walk around knowing you're never going to run into anybody that you know. And yeah. I just, I was so surprised when I heard you calling my name and looked around and I, I was just so stunned. It was <laughs> the craziest moment. It really, really was. And do you know what? I sometimes like that anonymity that you get living mm. in tree. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? Oh, 100%. I chat to my fiance about this all the time. So we, we're currently living in the town next door to where he grew up. Mm -hmm. um, so we're very, very close to, you know, the school that he went to and he knows everyone here and you know anytime we go out to the shops he's like oh I can't can't wear that otherwise people might see me and recognize me but nobody knows me here so I just go out and do all the silly weird things and wear all the silly weird things that I want and know that no one is gonna know me which is quite beautiful until you cross paths with a fellow Australian wearing 
makeup on a fairy. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, it was Halloween, wasn't it? Yeah, we both had drag <laughs> queen makeup on. <laughs> oh, you got to oh. take. You can get them, hey. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. What a crazy night that was. It was. But between knowing you back at uni and now reconnecting with you over here in London, you've been living a pretty eventful life, from what I can see. Yeah, it has been. It really, really has been. <laughs> I actually had a Facebook memory pop up um, yesterday, which is so weird that we're talking about this now. Um, but a Facebook memory pop up of me leaving Australia for my first job, for my first um, overseas job. And that was, I think it was five years ago. And I just kind of sat down and thought about all the things that have happened since then. And it's kind of, it's kind of mental. Yeah. It, it really is. And well, that that's a really great place to start, I think. Would you mind taking us back to Hayley in Australia five years ago and telling us what made you move in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely wasn't um, just a sudden decision. I mean, when I, so... At that point, five years ago, I'd been offered a job working on a cruise ship as a production vocalist. So that means you sing in the shows, in the big theatre, uh, do a bit of dancing and acting and things as well, but mostly singing because that's, <laughs> that's definitely my strong point. Do you, did you have an agent back home? Did you find that audition yourself? What was your journey in, in getting oh, that Yes, job? yes, good question. So, yes, I did have an agent back in Australia um, based in Melbourne. Um, but it was actually, I think, was it an open audition that I went to? I'm not quite, I feel like it was actually an open audition. So for those who don't know, open auditions mean you don't actually have to have an agent booking you a, a time slot to go to that audition. Um, so my agent had just told me, you know, we can't get you a time slot. However, they're having an open audition, go along. Um, so, I, so I went along um, and it was actually, I was actually so close to not taking this audition. It's kind of crazy. It was on my birthday um, <laughs> and I, I just wasn't quite, it sounds so silly now, I wasn't quite in the mood. I just wasn't feeling confident about what I was going to be singing. Oh, I get that. There I was... don't think we're in the mood for auditions, to be honest. That's true. That's true. And I think when you've got the excuse of it being your birthday, you'll be like, oh, do I really want to do this? Or do I want to, like, just go eat nice food all day and, and hang out at the beach? <laughs> um, so I was so close to not going, but I was like, you know what? No, this is my passion. So I, I do love doing. So I, I went and did the audition. Um, and it some something happened that it all had to be really fast forwarded. I think they'd been running really behind. Um, so they saw me for my song that I prepared and they were like, okay, we want to do your call back literally in 20 minutes from now. Here's six songs. Can you learn them please? And come back to us in 20 minutes. And wow. I was like, oh! <laughs> absolutely terrified. Cause I, I am a good sight reader. I can read music that I haven't seen before very easily, but my memory is terrible. And you know, Especially when you're stressed. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, yeah. And there were there were pop songs that I just didn't know. I've never been someone to keep up with like current pop songs, so I think they would have been songs that most people would have known. You know, there was Jessie J and stuff like that, but I just didn't know any of it. So yeah, <laughs> I was starting from scratch, and I had 20 minutes. And I remember sitting on the floor with all this sheet music around me, going, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh." Um, but anyway, I, so I went back in 20 minutes later, um, and I think. I think they were rushed because they had to fly back to America that night. Uh, so they couldn't see me dancing. So they asked me to send in some uh, footage and things like that. And then I got the email about three days later saying, are you free to fly to Miami um, next month? So it was all very quick. It was all very, very quick for me, not thinking I'd go to the audition to, to get actually getting the job. It was mental. Uh, and was that, I, I'm not too aware of what you did prior to uni. I know you're still in your, how old are you now, Hales? I am 27. 
not that age matters, but I'm always interested <laughs> to see, particularly the journey that people take in their 20s. Mm. I think um, some people seem to fall into work a lot, a lot earlier than others. And um, had you had you had any big, exciting performance breaks like that prior to studying? Um, not prior to, no. So when I graduated school, um, I, I knew I wanted to study musical theatre. So that was kind of my main my main goal. I didn't get into a school for my first year. I did a Bachelor of Arts for mm-hmm. one year and then auditioned again and then got into a few different places and, and chose the con. So I just went, I was studying for the entire time. Um, I was very lucky to get a job that wasn't a cruise ship straight out of uni. So I did that for about a year and then moved yeah. to Melbourne. And then that's where all the cruise ship craziness began. What were you doing, may I ask, while you were auditioning? What was the job you had? I mean, when I graduated uni, I did a non-muggle job. I, I performed for about a year touring Australia. And then my muggle job when I moved to Melbourne was actually working as a receptionist in an orthotist's clinic. In a what? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an orthotist's clinic. So I remember when I was looking at the all the different job applications, I literally was, I stopped. I was like, I don't know what this word is. I have to Google it. So I now know because I worked there for a, for a couple of months. Um, what an orthotist does, I can't even say the word properly. What an orthotist does, they um, fix braces for injuries. So, you know, uh-huh. if, if you've got a wrist brace or an ankle brace, they'd also fit moon boots, things like that. So whenever people have injuries, they'd go see the specialist and then they would get sent to an orthotist to give them the right equipment to help them heal, basically. Wow. Yeah. What an interesting little glimpse at a completely different industry for you. I know. There you go. It was really fascinating. Something I never knew even existed. And then working there for a couple of months. That was, It was really interesting. And gosh, then to have gotten the offer of the contract uh, on the cruise ship, that must have just been the most amazing feeling for you. Oh, my gosh. It was, I mean, it was amazing, but it was also very emotional as well. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time who I'm not with anymore. Um, so obviously leaving him to go overseas and then leaving my country, leaving my family. I'd never been to America before. I was quite scared, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, yeah. But it was incredibly exciting. I'm someone that loves to just kind of delve into something and learn everything about it before I go. So I, I just delved into as many like YouTube videos about cruise life as I could and just surrounded myself with it. And it looked so glamorous and it it was very very glamorous but i yeah i was insanely excited <laughs> and uh, i've never worked for a cruise company i I've, I've got no idea how it works as far as visas and like so you then moved to miami for rehearsals is that correct yes that's right so that's the main visa you need to worry about if you're staying in america for a while so i had to get two different visas two different american visas um I can't remember what they were now, to be honest, but they were fairly easy. You just had to go in for an interview and things like that. Um, yeah, and so then I was in rehearsals in Miami for six weeks, I believe, and then got mm-hmm. flown out to Italy to join the ship. Oh, I know. I know. It was great. How long were you on that ship for? So that ship I was on there for, oh, uh, oh, it was six months, that one. Mm-hmm. Once starting on that journey with the cruise company, uh, where did you go from there? Did you stay with that company for a while? It wasn't just the six months, was it? No, it definitely wasn't. So on that first ship, um, obviously with the long distance, my boyfriend at the time, we broke up and then I met my now fiance um, on that ship. And so we obviously fell in love madly, head over heels. And we really wanted to be able to work on a cruise ship together so that we didn't have to be, you know, me living in Australia and him living in England 
and us just not together. Um, but before we met, I had actually accepted my next cruise ship job with the same company. So that was with Celebrity Cruises again. Um, so we knew we were going to have that time on the ship apart and then we'd try and find some time together. So I did two contracts with Celebrity Cruises. And then after that one, while we were trying to find our next contract together, that's when I moved to England. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> my partner Aiden always kind of laughs at me because I don't think I really asked him or we discussed it. I just kind of told him, I was like, I'm moving to England. I'm coming over here to be, <laughs> to be with you. He didn't really have a choice in the matter. Um, <laughs> so that's how that worked. And then when I was there, we were chatting to Celebrity Cruises, trying to get a, a contract together when yeah. I auditioned for We Will Rock You and got offered one of my absolute dream roles. Um, and we did still try and get Aiden, my partner, on the ship, but we couldn't. So I, I went off on that one by myself, which was a 12-month contract, which for anyone that's been on a cruise ship before, it's a very long time. That's a really long commitment. Like I, mm. I imagine signing myself up to contracts that are 12 months on land where I can live with my husband, let alone actually considering being away from your loved ones and and that sense of security you get from living in a house and <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that must have been a bit daunting yeah it definitely was um and because yeah when I left at that point to go on that ship I didn't know when I was next going to see Aiden you know we wanted him to come and visit me but he wasn't sure what his work situation was going to be so it was yeah we were facing potentially 12 months not seeing him at all and and just being on a metal boat in the middle of the ocean I mean it's fantastic but it is very very different um, but because I had done two contracts before, I knew what I was going into as well, which was really helpful. And did you find embarking on that 12 month contract with it being so much longer, was there any change in your mental health during that time? Like, did you find that that 12 months was just as easy to manage and just as exciting and just as engaging as the six month contracts you had done? Or was there an element of the novelty wearing off? at some point that's such a good question that is a really really good question I know myself personally I think it's just because I'm actually still a child <laughs> um I I just I can't do things for too long before my uh, before I just get a bit bored or I just you know I, I find that sometimes when I do the same contract for a long time or if things don't change for a while that you can just get in your own head head a little bit like yeah being at sea and then that then being your third cruise contract did you find there was any change in your mental capacity yeah that's a really good question there were definitely changes in my mental and physical capacity actually um oh yeah I mean the thing with cruise ships with the co companies I've worked with anyway the cast normally have a lot of spare time because obviously in the evening we're performing but during the days generally there's not much work for us to do so we have a lot of spare time where we can obviously travel we can go hang out on the beach things like that but also, if you've been hanging out at the same beaches every day for 12 months, it's you kind of need to find something more. So I knew I needed some kind of hobby or something to keep me going. So actually, for my second cruise ship contract, I started my YouTube channel, which was my kind of hobby for that one, um, oh. to kind of give me something else to do. And then on my third contract, just before I went on, that's when I actually started my business because I knew the YouTube channel wasn't filling enough, enough hours. I needed something else <laughs> to keep me going. So that really mm. did help. Um, mm. Okay. I, I find it's really interesting the way that you have now gone into starting your own mm. business and being an entrepreneur. What first exposed you to that? What first got you interested in? I hope you don't, uh, we, can we say, yes, Arbonne? we can say it. Or would, like, <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to explain 
just quickly before we go into it, what you are doing with your own business. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the story kind of ties in well with what I'm actually doing, actually. So, I mean, on the second contract, when I started that YouTube channel, I saw it as something fun, as a, as a hobby. But I also kind of, you know, you'd see the YouTubers making lots of money. I was like, maybe I can make some money online as well. That'd be really, really cool. Um, yeah. Turns out I didn't make my millions from, from YouTube, which is fine. I've made my, <laughs> made my peace with that. Um, but the idea of being able to make money online hadn't left me. So I, I was starting yeah. to really think of other ways I could do that, other ways I could, I could make my own business. Um, but I didn't have any skills in terms of making products or courses to be able to sell. So I was like, I need to be able to, <laughs> I don't have anything to sell, but I really wanted to have a business like this. Um, so when I came across the business model of network marketing, which essentially means you partner with a well-established company already, they make the products for you. Um, they, they, you know, stock them in their warehouses and ship them off to people. I didn't have to stock all these products with me on the cruise ship in my tiny little ship cabin. Um, it just, yes. it really, really ticked all the boxes. So essentially what I do, I work in a network marketing company where I, I have my own franchise basically and I sell skincare, nutrition and makeup products. Um, but like I said, I don't need to actually ship things off. I don't physically touch the products. All I do is chat to people and help recommend things that are going to help them. And then I also recommend the business to other people as well. So it's, it's very people focused, which I like. I love having something where I can help other people and just connect with them. So yeah, it's yeah. been a really nice secondary passion from my performing 100%. Mm-hmm. And is that all commission based? Do you get any kind of flat fee for that work or it's all commission It's completely based? commission based. Well, that's training, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just like a normal business, you know, if you don't sell anything, you don't make anything. And so had you had a contact reach out to you about joining Arbonne or you just came across it in your own research? I definitely didn't come across it with my own research. Research. I had, I had <laughs> no idea what I was looking for. I had this idea in my head, but I just had no way of kind of putting it into action I suppose and I think subconsciously even though I didn't know anything about the law of attraction or the secret or anything like that I think I kind of was tapping into it in a weird kind of way um so I'm sure you guys have gotten these kind of messages before a stranger messaged me on Instagram with a bunch of information about this brand I was like I don't like talking to strangers so I didn't talk to her at all I just looked at the information and I did a whole bunch of research into it myself um and then got in contact and I I just knew straight away that it was the one for me and now it's so funny, mm. this woman that was a complete stranger, her name is Sarah. She's actually one of my closest friends and is now bridesmaid at my wedding, which is just crazy. <laughs> wow. I'm really fascinated by the networking that occurs with this business model and with all social um, marketing business models. It's just, and well done to you for taking that leap after being approached by a stranger. Like, <laughs> it was very unlike me. I think, I think my brain was just, my mind was ready for something like that. Yeah. And it's obviously worked out for you. But how uh, how was it setting up then when you were on ship and, and starting this new business at the same time? There must have been a bit of juggling oh going my on. So, so much juggling. So I started um, in the last month of rehearsals before we went onto the ship. And it was actually the, the <laughs> craziest month because that was Christmas. Um, we'd been given nine days off for Christmas. So I actually flew to Australia and back in those nine days, which was the most jet lagged nine days of my entire oh. life. Oh my gosh. I hate that flight. I hate that flight. It makes me sick, honestly. I spoke about it in in our first podcast that I recorded with Will and I just keep speaking about it every time it comes up. Yeah. It's horrible. It, <laughs> like there's no other way about it. It's completely horrible. That small yeah, break. absolutely. And so was still running a brand new business, was 
learning the lines and the choreography and the songs for this brand new show as well. Um, came back, had two more weeks of rehearsals and we flew to New York and then we joined the ship and had our, um, what's it called, technical rehearsals basically where you get used to the space, get used to the uh, the props and the staging, your costumes, lighting, microphones, all those kind of things. And, you know, for all our performers, you know they are the busiest weeks of your entire life. <laughs> you know, you're in there from from 8 a.m. till 11 p.m. sometimes, just standing there in place while they get the lighting right and then standing there in place so they can get the, the props moving into the right place and everything. So it's they're very long days. So, yeah, building a business alongside that, it was tough. And I was working with three different time zones as well, speaking to people in Australia, in the UK, in America as well. Um, it was hectic. Wow. It was absolutely hectic. But I was loving it. I, I'm someone that just loves being busy and loves having things going on, exciting things that are going on all the time. So it really, it suited me a lot. Wow. And But it sounds like no easy feat, that's for sure. <laughs> it wasn't easy, but yeah, it's definitely been worth it. I mean, the show and the business, definitely worth it. And then, obviously, that contract came to an end after 12 months. I You, you stuck the, the 12 months out. I'm sorry, <laughs> only just, only just. Actually, back to what you're talking about, um, <laughs> surviving such a long contract. So I, I actually mm. injured my neck right in the last two weeks of the contract. Um, it's always oh. it's always a danger with really long contracts because bodies are just being worn over and over and over again with the same choreography, with the same physicality, with the same heavy costumes in the same part of your body. You're, you just start yeah. to break down a little bit. Um, it's as you say, it's hard work on your body. Mm, yeah, exactly. And so there were there were so many injuries. There were so many knees, hamstrings. Um, I think I was the only neck. Proud to say, I think I was the only neck. Oh, the only I was the most severe, <laughs> most severe neck injury. Um, but as um, as someone who had a very large vocal role in the show, I mean, injuring a neck is it was terrifying and also I mean if you think about so the show I was doing was called We All Rock You I'm not sure if I mentioned that um, and a lot of the choreography because it's a rock show a lot of the choreography is headbanging <laughs> so, so that's really I think where where the injury came from I didn't actually injure it in the show I injured it in the gym but I had I'd had yeah. so many neck issues up until that point I feel like they were just kind of building on top of each other building and building and building it yeah it happens with rock shows doesn't it I do a rock show in the uh in the rep that I'm performing currently and we religiously every day after we've done the rock show we all have yeah. a bad neck we just call it rock, rock neck we call it rock <laughs> neck it's like this affectionate term we have this for this immense pain that we feel but it, it's it's very mm. damaging and so uh, I mean that must have been incredibly painful for you and as you said yeah terrifying. yeah it definitely was obviously you know being away from all the medical care you need you know obviously the doctors on the ship were really really great but we didn't have you know, all the scans and, and machines and things we needed to check what was actually wrong with my neck. So I was, I was, when I say walking around, mostly I was just in my cabin sulking um, with the most intense neck brace you've ever seen in your entire life. I think the people from my orthotist clinic back in Melbourne would be very proud. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was, so, it was so awful. And anytime I'd walk to the mess, which is where we eat our food, so many people would just stare at me because of the neck brace. It was awful. Um, but so we had to stop in Bermuda to get all the scans and things done that I needed because that was the closest port. <laughs> um, where, where is Bermuda? What language did I speak <laughs> in Bermuda? I'm very naive here. I have no idea. Like, were you able to speak in English? Oh, yeah. They, it's and... a very touristy place. So 
And actually, I think it's a... Okay, I haven't... Oh, no, I'm not going to say <laughs> say anything because I'm not sure and I don't think I'm right. <laughs> but they do speak English there. They do speak English there. Um, so that was really, really helpful. But <laughs> it was it was honestly as dramatic as you can imagine. There was a hurricane forming. Um, and Bermuda is <gasps> literally in the middle of the ocean. It's not near any other land. Like, it's... Like, a, a literal hurricane. You're not talking no, about, no, a, like... a hurricane. A hurricane. <laughs> An actual hurricane was forming. Um... <laughs> So yeah, I was in. I remember being in this taxi, looking out the window and seeing these winds just blowing and picking up, and completely black clouds ahead of me, off to get my neck scanned. Just thinking, how is this my life right now? This is crazy. Like it was just the most dramatic scene you can ever imagine. It was mental. Um, so yeah, so I ended yeah. up missing the last two weeks of shows from that contract, which still breaks my heart completely. Um, oh my gosh! So. So yeah, so I was still, still on the ship because we only had two weeks left. It was easy to just keep me until the end rather than fly me home. Um, but, yeah, so I, I missed out, had to pull out on the show. My um, first understudy had actually been sent home with a leg injury as well. So my second understudy, thank goodness I had two, was able to go on, bless her. Um, and she rocked it. She absolutely smashed it. So I was there sitting in the front row with my neck brace, trying to, like, wave my arms as they sung We Are The Champions, but just with tears falling down my face for that last show because I just wanted to be on stage so badly wow what a weird mix of emotions that must Mm. have been on one side you know understandably probably feeling very sorry and upset for yourself and the situation you were in but also feeling that immense it's always cool to see an understudy get their chance isn't it even if they're your understudy I think any any decent empathetic performer will always be happy to see their understudy jump on stage oh my gosh yeah and because she was my second understudy she hadn't had a chance to go on in that role um so if I hadn't hurt my neck she wouldn't have gone on so it's it's a good thing in in one sense (laughs) and yeah she did such a good job it's so nice to see other people play play your role in just their own magical glorious way I absolutely loved it Mm, yeah how bittersweet <laughs> definitely but there was also a lot of sweet because we were coming to the end of the contract and I was going to see my fiance again so yeah there were a lot of good things but it definitely wasn't how I thought it would end <laughs> definitely not leaving a contract with an injury is 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 an annoying place to be in isn't it I am like then going looking for your next job or looking for your next uh, your next opportunity, knowing that you're harboring this injury, is not is not nice yeah, to have to go yeah, on with. Exactly. Luckily, once we got back, I mean, I was able to do a lot of um, repair and rest on the ship, which was really good. So as soon as I got back on land, I just went straight into physio, um, and they were they were so good. Once I was over here, a couple of weeks in, I was able to really do most of the things I needed to anyway, which was really good. I was still a bit nervous about going to to dance auditions or dance classes, but singing wise acting wise i was feeling pretty confident after a while but it yeah it was definitely a weird position to be in um and even now whenever i'm doing anything with my neck you know you just always got that subconscious thing in the back of your mind especially with the neck um but yeah yeah. and it's it's one of the perils of uh pursuing performance as a job is that we do often accrue injuries that Mm. never fully heal (laughs) and we just go back to work just as it's feeling a bit better but not perfect um, and then end up carrying these injuries around for uh, around with us for ages. How how's the neck nowadays? Is it still plaguing you, or is it has it? I think it's pretty much sort itself out. I think it's just a mental thing now, because when I when I injured it, I was stretching my neck. I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was stretching it in the gym. So every time I stretch now, I'm still a little bit. Oh, 
I don't really think wrong, but feeling wise, it is really good. It's really good. So coming off the ship, you very conveniently had a boyfriend to come and join in England. Is that is that what you did? Did you move in straight with him or were you on your own? Yeah, good question. So work? he was actually still on his ship when I finished. Um, so what I did, mm-hmm. I was able to visit him for two weeks, which was really nice because he still had two months left on that ship. So I went and got to be a guest on a cruise ship for the first time, which was so nice. We were in the Mediterranean and just going to the most amazing places. It was it was really, really good. Um, and then so what Love. our goal for that year had been was actually to save up enough money to buy our first home. So when I came back, essentially, I moved in with his parents. Bless them. They, they looked after me like one of their own. They're absolutely amazing. We hadn't ever obviously lived together before. Um, and then to be living with them without Aiden was definitely interesting. But they, were, they honestly just made me so comfortable. It was really, really great. Um, but so while Aiden was finishing his ship contract, I was house hunting, um, which was very strange to, it was amazing that Aiden trusted me to do the house hunting without him being there, but somehow we managed it and <laughs> I managed to find one that we live in now and, and he's still like, so that's good. Whereabouts are, whereabouts are you yeah, based, oh, you so mind So we are asking? in um, the northern edge of London um, in a place called Brox, okay. Broxburn, Broxbourne. I always forget uh-huh. how to say it. I always say it how you say Brisbane, right? If you, if you say Brisbane, you'd say Broxbourne, yeah. but it's not. It's Broxbourne, yeah. I believe. So I've been saying it wrong. But anyway, yeah, I live in Broxbourne, um, which is like, yeah, just on the outskirts of London. I wanted to be near grass and trees. We've got cows up the road, which is fantastic. They're not our cows, but there are cows up the road, which is great. I like being near nature, but also really quick and easy to get into the city. That was my main main thing I was looking for I mean that's a world that I have never explored myself uh, going into the property market and purchasing a place of my own can you can you explain to me the process of purchasing your first place yes. it's an yes. apartment correct it still feels like such a big <laughs> I know, thing I know for me when I see friends buying property it just I, I'm a bit in awe of it so tell us a little bit about uh, purchasing that oh and my the goodness yeah so I mean we've been there. here a year and I'm still pinching myself like I still don't really fully comprehend that we're homeowners it's really really strange um and I think that's probably what you've experienced as well but as performers as self-employed artists you kind of never quite think anyone's going to let you buy a house just because because of the nature of, of our work and how we live um so throughout the entire process of all the paperwork I mean it's a long drawn out painful process oh my goodness with getting the mortgage and putting offers in and then getting I can't remember all the different stages there's a lot of different things you do when you buy a house um, but at every single stage I kept waiting for them to go oh no you guys are performers we're not going to let you buy this house like I just kept expecting it to fall through <laughs> for some weird reason um, and it wasn't until they gave us the keys and left us alone in this flat and that we're like oh oh my gosh we've done it and I remember us both just lying on the floor in the living room going, oh, my gosh, we have our own space. This is ours. And it was just the most epic, victorious feeling in the entire world. It was amazing. Gosh, I hope to have that feeling one day myself. I don't know if I'll ever <laughs> own property. <laughs> As you say, it's a really weird feeling because over here in the UK, there is a bigger emphasis on young people buying property. Back home, I, I don't think I know... Well, I know very few people of my generation who are actually owning 
property. There's just not as much emphasis on it as mm. as over here. I I haven't noticed that person. I've got a lot of friends back in Brisbane anyway that own. But I think are you from Brisbane? Are you from? You are. I... Yeah, I'm from Brisbane. Maybe my <laughs> friends are just a bit more pop than yours. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know. none of my performing friends own homes. It's just that the people I know from school that have gone on to <laughs> to smart <laughs> to smart careers. There, I think I think you've just clarified what I was trying to say a bit better. None of my performing <laughs> friends, very few of them anyway, own property. So, I mean, that's why I've been so in awe of your journey over here and with purchasing that because it's just yeah, it's just, it's oh, surreal. it still is. I don't think that will go away for quite a while, to be honest. <laughs> and the fact that this year we're actually looking at buying some investment properties, so buying one or two properties to either flip and then sell again or to actually rent out is still, that's a whole other world that I need to fully comprehend but here we are it's absolutely mental yeah well I mean when we talk about passive income oh, which I know you're favorite. all about property like that that's yeah, the ultimate exactly. and I think it's income, just so smart for performers as well so uh all right so you've finished your contract you've been living with the parents you've done the home buying thing and then let's let's move on from there where were you once you'd moved into the place with Aiden how exciting to finally oh. be living together again also in your own place that I just that I know, I'm just really vibing so off good. that it was so good <laughs> we have our own kitchen because on cruise ships you don't cook your own food you know obviously there's so many chefs there and they probably wouldn't let us in the kitchen anyway um so to be able to cook meals for each other um to be able to like stand at the window and look out at the street rather than waves or rather than not having a window at all like there were all these little things that we were just so appreciative of and we still are we like that doesn't go away which is really cool um so yeah that was absolutely fantastic and then at that point um I was still running my business but I was also um singing with a band which is the band that I was with when I saw you on that on that crazy Halloween night but how did you find them was um when I moved here I really wanted to to we were talking about this before actually I really wanted to get into the band function singing space just because I it was really different from anything I'd ever done before um and I knew there was such a big market for over here as well but I, I didn't have any contacts but obviously Aiden as a musician over here he did and he found out about a band that were looking for a bass player which is what he is and a singer and I was like well that's what we are <laughs> I wonder if they'll take both of us and we went and auditioned they did see a lot of people so I was a bit nervous but um we ended up getting it together, which has been so, so cool, especially because I'm in an industry now that I haven't really practiced in before. You know, singing with the band is what well, it was very new to me. So having him to be able to be like, okay, so what do we do now? Or, or should I like, should I fold up this cord? What should I do with this cable here? Or like, where do I plug in my microphone? Just tiny little things like that. <laughs> I had never had to do for myself before as well. It was so helpful to have him him there to ask the silly questions to and I totally relate to that I've been performing quite often with a live band nowadays and more sort of live lounge and cab set type stuff it's definitely a direction in which we we've both diversified from our original studies in the OG days of doing musical theatre it's there's so there's a lot of work over here just for for session singers and you know it just sort of feels like yeah, ambient well, entertainment it, doesn't ambient it entertainment oh I like that yeah it's like the, the music and the performance that happens in the background just to set the scene and to add to the vibe as opposed mm. to putting on yeah a show. it's a very different thing rather than having people sitting like soaking in every single word that you say, every single word that you sing, every move that you make with your body, it's very different. And I know when I've been doing that kind of work myself this year, I've 
I found it a really great exercise in trying to lose <laughs> my perfectionism a little bit because when you're performing in a show that's fully scripted and staged and um, is as regimented as a, a musical or a stage show of any sorts, you can develop perfectionist tendencies which which you can satisfy because you've got the marks to hit every night in the same place whereas when you're singing live with a band uh it's it's much more free form and you know the audience is not necessarily even listening to you all the time I think it's a great exercise in learning to just let go yeah 100 and, and especially fun. I think the mindset of the musicians normally in bands I mean from my very limited experience is is that like free form just go with the flow oh do you guys know this song cool let's do this song with no practice and for people because I'm a massive perfectionist as well yeah. so people like you and me we'd go oh no we need to practice that 100 times so it's in our bodies before we do it in front of people and they just they just go with the flow and it's such a good skill to be able to have I think it's given me so much more confidence in strict shows as well to know that if something changes if something goes differently from plan we can handle it yeah, it's a new world. And you've been gigging about with them, have you? I, I don't imagine there's been a lot of gigs in the past year. Yeah, it's there's definitely not been as many as as we planned. So, I mean, I joined the band in February, I think. So we had nearly two months of gigs before the pandemic happened. And then when I met you, we'd had, I think, about two months. There was like a time when the rules had lifted a bit, wasn't there, when we could go back out and perform again. So also that time we were performing, which was really, really great. But then obviously we haven't seen the guys for three months now, four months. I know. Mm. So in the meantime, then whilst you've not had the gigs to fall back on like the rest of us, um, I mean, Arbonne's been a complete blessing for you, it seems. And it, it really seems to have oh, taken massively, off yeah. for you. It's, it's as weird as it sounds, it's been very much designed for people being stuck in their homes. <laughs> It's it's really well designed for that. So just, you know, giving people something positive and fun to focus on. You know, self-care is such a hot topic at the moment as well. So be, being able to talk about that, being able to give people a solution to things that they're really looking for at the moment has been really, really cool. Um, and, I mean, not to even go into how much it's helped us just with keeping us afloat as well. Yeah. And you seem to have really taken to this sort of online platform that comes from working with people with this kind of business your presence online has grown exponentially and you seem to have really taken an interest in the coaching side of Arbon and with bringing people on board mm, and the self-development yeah, I love that side I love that so yeah essentially that's I mean me kind of sharing the coaching that I do in my business on my social media to literally everybody that's kind of come through a bunch of different things really I mean this year, I know we've just all needed a lift. We all needed a bit more positivity. But we also sometimes, this might sound really awful, but sometimes some of us, me especially, needed a bit of a kick up the butt just to say, you know, pull yourself together. Things outside in the world are a bit sucky right now. However, you can still find joy in your day. You can still be productive and move forward with your life. Um, and I've just really felt, it sounds a bit silly, but I found a weird calling to just share that with the world because it really has helped pull me out of, of the whole of lockdown um, so, so many times. So I've really loved being able to share that with people. Um, and it's also just just being able to chat chat away on Instagram Live or chat away on a podcast makes me feel more human. I'm just basically talking to myself, but it's keeping me more sane <laughs> during everything. I feel better having talked through the things that I'm learning at the same time. It's kind of, you know, they always say if you learn something, you'll 
partially embody it but then if you teach somebody else that's when you fully learn the tool the skill the mindset trick and I've essentially been doing that with my personal development and coaching as well yeah amazing and you mentioned there that you've discovered podcasting as a way to extend upon that also and you've you've made your own show can you tell us about the journey oh my gosh yes it's such a weird journey I I've never thought about making a podcast before um but I started on my Instagram actually I started doing Instagram lives interviewing people that I looked up to business owners life coaches um voice therapists like anyone that had knowledge that I wanted to get for myself, I was just asking them for an interview, basically, um, purely for selfish reasons. But I was like, you know what, I'll share it with other people as well so they can take away from it. Which which <laughs> is no easy feat. Now that I'm doing it myself, it takes a lot of courage to send people that message and and ask those questions and to get people involved in your your personal projects. I, I don't know if you feel exactly the same, but I often really have to build up to message people and to oh, make yeah, those kind absolutely. of connections. Absolutely. It was back. definitely terrifying the first few times, but then also now there's certain people that I'll message and I'm like, oh my gosh, can I really message this person? Um, but you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to be incredibly flattered that you messaged. And then, you know, two times out of 10, they're not going to reply, but we'll still be flattered. And that's that, you know, like that's the worst thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have met the most incredible people and, and learnt the most amazing things. So I'm so glad that I did do it. And it's, it's worthwhile, is what I'm trying to say, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, completely worthwhile. And really easy to do now with, uh, so I'm recording this using Anchor. I know you've been using the same platform, um, which is, is it owned by Spotify, Anchor? Yeah, it's I'm not sure Spotify how it works. Somehow. But it, it does work. <laughs> It does work. I'm the same. I don't fully understand it, but it does work. And for anyone listening to this, if you've ever thought about creating a podcast, whether that be just you nattering to a mic about your own thoughts and feelings or uh, creating an interview show like this or a panel show with your housemates or just anything, I just want to encourage people to give it a go. It's so easy. And with this uh anchor that you can download on any smart device it's, it's honestly it's just a bit of fun anchor. that was brilliant <laughs> i'll just edit that one little clip I i'll turn that, that into an Put a jingle underneath it oh my gosh this is, this is a thing we should do yeah and and goodness knows whilst on lockdown it's it's just something intelligent to use our our yeah, brains 100%. and and, and it's so uplifting <laughs> for the people that you're speaking to the people that you're interviewing like having this chat with you is just the highlight of my day first of all can i just say <laughs> But then also, you know, whenever I interview people, it's just the most wonderful experience to to connect with people on a really intellectual level, really just show them how much you appreciate the value they bring to the world. It's a really wonderful thing to do. And then, you know, if people also end up listening, which somehow they end up doing as well, it it gives them value as well. And hopefully my hope with this series is that once I've spoken to the handful of people I have on my list to start with, you know, I, I'm... I'm going to have this collection of stories about working on cruise ships and gigging and working in different countries. And I hope that I hope that somewhere in the world, maybe a little performer who's sitting there wanting to do those things might listen to this and, and take a bit of advice or just take a bit of courage from it all and realize that there's so many people doing what we're trying to do. Uh, and it's just about starting. It's just about taking the first step and and, you know, 
taking some guidance when you find it, whether it be in the form of a podcast. Yeah, I love that. And also knowing, I think what your podcast is going to really show as well, there's, there's no one correct way to have a performing career. You know, I remember when I was at uni, I just had this, Mm. you know, very strict step-by-step plan that I was going to follow and that was going to be my career and then I was going to tick all those boxes and that was going to be it. But it doesn't work like that. And that's okay as well. You know, there's always so many different ways to make a living, make a life out of the flipping amazing industry that we're in as well. Um, And I think being able to hear all the different stories that you bring onto this podcast as well, it's going to be so great for people to find inspiration or, or hope in as well. Yeah, and something I'm hoping um, to focus on with this series, and we definitely have today, is um, just the importance of a side hustle and the importance of having a well. Oh yeah, I will honestly talk about side hustles till the cows come home. And I think I think this past year as well has really enforced to us that we do need to have things outside of performing, not just you know financially, but just for for our sense of self, I suppose when the performing first stopped I felt like I really lost who I was um you know I'm sure you're the same as well you know I've been performing Mm. on stages since I was three years old and when I first started when I was three you know I hadn't gone for more than I'd say four months without being on a stage so it just becomes you know it's not a hobby it's not a passion it's not a job it's not a career it is part of who we are so being able to have something that can still be you when that's taken away for a little while is so important just for for mental health, I really do think. And I mean, we say taken away for a little while, but also in our current climate with everything that's going on, especially here in the UK, I think it's proven to us more than ever how important it is to have a form of income and to have something going on that you're passionate about and that you can apply some energy to because goodness knows when our industry will be back, if it will actually be back to the extent that it was before COVID. And... um, and goodness knows, I, I don't want, uh, I, I see so many performers falling out of performing because they get disheartened and they're just not earning enough money to keep it going. And then it just, you know, culminates in them dropping out completely and getting a bit burnt out and having to pursue something else, perhaps mm. a little sadly. Like, I think yeah, it's so important to keep fostering uh, projects and side hustles and forms of income to protect ourselves yeah, I, especially at the moment goodness knows <laughs> goodness knows when there'll be an audition season oh again my gosh here and whenever UK, it is so I'm, I'm there attend. I'm so ready I'm so I'm so excited <laughs> but I think yeah what you said about I mean performers we as as a species I do see us as a very specific type of, of people or species like we are the kind of people that when we do something we like to pour our whole heart and soul into it you know performing is a really passion-based thing and activity to do so I think you know when we can't be pouring that passion into something we need to pour in something else so finding something that excites us finding something that gives us a reason to still get out of bed in the morning and and do our workouts and do our singing exercises and and keep tools sharp and and keep excited about life is is so so vital yeah and uh, you just made me think there about you know maintaining practice and and singing and and all that sort of stuff you can do I think it's also important to recognize when it's okay to maybe not be practicing all of the time especially over lockdown the most recent lockdown I've sort of come to a realization in myself that (laughs) I was finding my singing practice really arduous recently um and I'm 
a chronic practicer. I don't think, <laughs> I think that was something I got from our coach, actually. I think I will always probably over practice a little bit, but do you know what? It sets my mind, at, my mind at ease. It helps me deal with anxiety. So I'm someone who practices all the time, but recently on lockdown and in the current house I'm living in, which is, you know, I'm living above, um, an elderly couple. I just don't like singing in this house. I'm very loud and it doesn't make me comfortable belting out show tunes when I know I might be disturbing them. Or So for me recently, I came to the realization that I could actually put my practice on hold for a bit because it wasn't serving me and it wasn't making me feel very good. Um, and instead, I've I've started the, the podcast and I've been doing a bit more self-development in other areas like learning about nutrition and um, <laughs> and crocheting, uh, not that I, <laughs> you know, I've just taken up a few other little projects that especially over lockdown have just brought me a little bit of peace and have helped me stop Ooh. focusing on the fact that I'm not working. Yeah. I sort of buffer this by saying, you know, you do have to maintain your practice and not let your, your skills yeah, I think, diminish. Yeah. I think you hit but, the nail on the head there. You yeah. Hit the nail on the head there living, in terms of living that it wasn't now. serving you anymore. Um, and, you know, for, for people that yeah. that feel like they need to practice every day and that does serve them, that lights that lights them up, that fills their cup, that makes them feel really happy and joyous, amazing, keep doing it. But if it's not serving you, if it's not helping you feel the way you want to feel or get to what you need to be doing, you know, you, you probably were practicing more than you need to be doing right now. So I, I love that just because there's no right fit for anybody. You know, what serves you won't serve me. What serves me won't serve somebody else. You know, you just got to be really in tune with, what you need and what's going to help you get where you need to go. And even though it might be scary to kind of let go of that thing that you're used to doing every single day, taking that step and taking that plunge if it's not, if it's not serving you right now. Some days you just need to stay in your dressing gown. There have been many of those days and they've been amazing. (laughs) They've served me very well. Yeah, I've recently... I've recently been scheduling those days in because when I, I sort of look at my week ahead and I, you know, even whilst I'm not working, I'm still finding it beneficial to structure my days slightly, plan my workouts, plan what I want to do with the podcast and things like that. But I've found actually scheduling in downtime mm, to be so yeah, beneficial. Yeah, I totally agree. I just don't feel I'm such a, it. I don't know if this is the right word, but a green personality. I love everything to be organized everything to be structured and literally as I speak to you actually I'm looking at my my google calendar page on my on my laptop and literally every minute is accounted for even if it is chilling and having a bath or like showering (laughs) it is scheduled in there because even even when I'm staying at home all day every day that that is what serves me having a structure having a plan feeling like I know what I'm doing with my day it's really helped Awesome. Well, thank you, Hales. I, uh, it's just been an absolute thrill to do this first Woo-hoo! interview with you. You've helped me rip off a Band-Aid. And, uh, and you've helped me work out this, oh, this technology with the Anchor so app. It is. And, uh, well, I figure while I've still got you here, would you like to tell our listeners Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, everything that I online? do is actually linked to my Instagram page. Um, so whether it is you're looking for a podcast to listen to or my YouTube channel or um, the products that I sell as well, if that's interesting at all. If you go to my Instagram page, which is at hey, so H-A-Y dot M-A-Y. Hey dot May is my Instagram and everything is on there. I've got links to everything that I do. Um, I try to keep it super positive and just super inspiring with an occasional kick up the butt just because I need it more than anybody else. (laughs) So definitely come find me there. I love chatting to new people.
And uh, I'm, I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning, if anyone does want advice uh, on any of the topics we've spoken about today, Haley oh. is the most approachable person you'll ever you'll ever meet. And uh, you're just a wealth of knowledge, Oh, thank darling. you so much thank for having me so on. Much Honestly, it's been the biggest pleasure in the world. Like I said, biggest highlight of my day. It's been so fun. <laughs> well, enjoy what's left of your day. I look oh, forward to when we can bring it on in person. Touch people in real life. I'm so excited. And goodness, wouldn't it be exciting to <gasps> go to oh. a gig with one another one day? Oh my or to gosh, come that's like, <laughs> like we're living my comprehension cities. at the moment. That would be amazing. We definitely need to do that. It's a real novelty oh to my think gosh, about. Bring isn't it on. I can't I'm wait. So excited. One day, one day we will get that. Thank awesome. you, my love. Enjoy the rest me. of your day, babes, and thank you so much. And that's it, folks. Again, thank you for persevering through that technological blip that happened towards the end. Since finishing this ep, I've decided to stop being a Scrooge and actually invest in some new software. And my housemate lent me a new microphone. In fact, I'm talking into it right now. Ooh, ah, delicious sound improvement. (laughs) So stay tuned. As I mentioned, this project is growing fast and I already have my next four episodes lined up and I can't wait to share what's in store with you all. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay sane and embrace the mess.